0: Good morning, uh, good to be back, I was, uh, we took a little vacation to uh, Michigan uh, where I grew up, uh, at least the town in which I grew up. I got a chance to preach at uh, my mom and dad's church uh, for the fr- yeah, Joey, I know, it, uh, that was <laughs> uh, for the first time and uh, I had never been so nervous in my whole life. Since, you know, I'd preached before, it's been a few years now. But, you know, it's your mom and dad's church, so it's, you know, it's like uh, <laughs> you want to do a good job, right? So, um, you know, you don't embarrass them or anything. Um, I think it went well. Did it go well? Uh, Jill says it went well, and she tells it to me plain. <laughs> so uh, it went well? Okay, thank you. But, uh, you know, um, as uh, good a time as I had at uh, Christ Memorial uh, Church in Holland, Michigan, I missed um I miss you guys, uh, the A. West Bulls, and so uh, it's good to be back. A lot of you guys gave me hugs in the lobby, you know, and for those of you who didn't, why didn't you? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's, um, uh, it's good to be home. Um, please uh, open your Bibles to Acts 17. We won't start in Acts 17, but we'll get there eventually. Um, so if you have your Bibles or a Bible app on your phone, Uh, Turn to Acts 17. I want to start out this sermon by asking you to turn there with a promise that we'll get there because at least in Acts 17, there's a story that you can rely on and it has some real substance to it. And and I say that because uh, the movie we're going to look at this morning, Life of Pi, I got to tell you, this is the most perplexing, puzzling, frustrating Uh, movie that I've ever looked at in any of the movies we've done in God uh, God in the Movie series. How many of you have seen the movie Life of Pi? Yeah, quite a few of you have. You know, I wish I could have had all of you with me this week so I could ask each and every one of you, what is this movie trying to say? (laughs) I don't know. And what is it about this movie that draws people to it? I don't know that either. I'm going to take a guess because, you know, like Eric, here I am. i got to say something. But I'm still wrestling with this movie. And I think uh, even during Praise and Worship this morning, through a couple of the songs uh, God put something on my heart that maybe finally uh, I know what it is that, well, really deeply disturbs me about this movie. Uh, the word disturbing uh, came to mind. Uh, but he uh, said, well, why did you pick the movie? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> um, but you know, in this series, what we're trying to do is pick movies that uh, people are going to see. It was the, one of the top grossing movies last year, got a Best Picture nomination, won for Best Director. Um, so uh, people are watching this thing, and they're talking about it. And the goal in this series, remember, is to try to join people in conversations out there that they're already having and maybe bring something in that conversation that helps point people to God. So that's why we picked um, Life of Pi. And um, boy, I'm really grateful that uh, John Burns and Amanda Cook are back with their summary of this movie uh, to start things off with. Maybe they can make sense of this perplexing movie. Uh, Here's their shot at it uh, with everything we need to know about the Life of Pi. Let's watch.
1: Here's everything you need to know about Life of Pi in 4 minutes 42 seconds. Having abandoned the book he'd been writing for two years, a struggling writer follows a lead to a good story, one that is rumored will make him believe in God. The writer meets with Piscine Patel who tells him his life story. Pasin Patel, otherwise known as Pai, was born in India to modern thinking parents who rejected religion.
0: In a few hundred years, science has taken us farther in understanding the universe than the religion has in 10,000.
1: But his mother told him the stories of the Hindu gods. He discovered Christ from a local priest and learned Islamic tradition practiced in his city. His religious searches irked his atheistic father, but that did not stop Pai. I would like to be baptized. Pai's family owned a zoo, but when political strife in India posed too great a threat to their family, Pai's parents decided to move their now-teenaged sons to Canada. Bringing many of their animals with them, the family boards a cargo ship. One night, the ship's violent rocking wakes Pai. He goes on deck to see what is happening. Just as he does, the storm overtakes the ship. Pai tries to save his sleeping family, but he cannot. He is thrown by the ship's staff into a small boat, accompanied by a zebra, an orangutan, and a hyena. The cargo ship sinks. The water's calm, but the boat and its inhabitants are now harassed by the hyena. The hyena kills the zebra, and eventually the orangutan. Pai screams at the hyena, knife in hand.
2: Come on! Come on! Come on!
1: Suddenly, the boat's surprise stowaway emerges from beneath a tarp. The tiger, known to Pie as Richard Parker, kills the hyena before turning its attention to Pie. Pie holds him off and then builds himself a raft. Thus begins the daily dance of Pie and Richard Parker. Pi working to stay close to the lifeboat, which is his sole hope for survival, and Richard Parker working hard to devour the lost boy. Pi and Richard Parker encounter many wonders during their days at sea. Beyond the threat they pose to one another, sharks infest the water around them, schools of jellyfish light their nighttime wandering path, and flying fish fill their boat by day. Pai makes many attempts to tame the tiger. Eventually, he does. Pai and the tiger land on the shores of a beautiful island that contains fresh water and fields of meerkats. But when Pai discovers a human tooth in a flower, he surmises that the island is toxic. He sets sail the next day, eventually landing on a beach in Mexico. Richard Parker disappears into the jungle, never to be seen again. Pai is rescued and hospitalized. Officials come to interview him about what happened. When Pai tells his story, the officials tell him they do not believe him.
2: We
3: need a simpler story for our report. One our company can understand,
2: a story we can all believe.
1: So Pai offers a different version, in which the animals on the boat are actually people from the cargo ship.
2: I was alone in a lifeboat, drifting across the Pacific Ocean. I survived.
1: Having finished his story, the aforementioned writer challenges Pai, asking him how his story inspires belief in God. Pai responds.
2: I've told you two stories about what happened out of the ocean. Neither explains what caused the sinking of the ship. And no one can prove which story is true and which is not. So which story do you prefer?
3: The one with the tiger. That's the better story.
2: Thank you. And so it goes with God.
0: I think one of the deeper reasons, at least, that this movie drew people to it, more than um, the computer-generated tiger, you believe that thing isn't real? I still think that it looks real. More than um, a compelling story. I think what drew people to this movie Um, in a word, is it's spirituality. It has a spiritual feel. Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, all mentioned. In fact, pie is uh, any one mixture of all three of those things. And it does, at least, start out promising that the story will have the effect of having you believe in God, inspiring you to believe in God. This story, the writers told, will have you believe in God. And so there's this spiritual feel to it. Uh, at least. And spirituality can mean different things to different people. For some, uh, it's organized religion and going to church or going uh, to synagogue or to a mosque. Spirituality can also uh, be more personal, um, an inner journey uh, to find the spiritual side of yourself uh, through prayer or yoga or meditation or uh, maybe even a long walk. Research uh, has shown, clearly shown, that um, even skeptics, uh, they can't stifle for very long uh, this uh, feeling that there's something greater out there than the concrete world that we can see. Um, the studies show that the way the human mind works is that when we experience things in life, We can't help but look for some sort of pattern among those experiences and try to find explanation for it all, that even the atheist among us, even the skeptics among us, that that's somehow tied to what it means to be human, that search for meaning, that search for deeper questions, People are hungry for that. They're starving for it just because they're human. And along comes this movie, Life of Pi. And the buzz gets out, I think, that, well, this movie, it has a dose of that spirituality in it, and it tackles the deep questions of life in this wonderful story. You should go see it. It... Uh, uh, th- as the word uh, comes out about this movie, it, it, well, it's moving. It's uh, 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 it's deep because it feels deep, and and so just go see this movie. People told me, and um, and I think it's human beings like spiritual things, and and the way Life of Pi begins anyway. I had hope because that writer is promised, as you heard a man to say that, hey, this story is going to make you believe in in God. And so suddenly we become that writer, that curious writer. Okay, tell me the story that's going to make me believe in God. And we're hearing the story for the first time too, so I thought, cool. Maybe this will be a story that makes me believe uh, in God. I want you to see that that scene again at the beginning of the movie. You saw a snippet of it, but I want it to play out where the writer's expectation now is set up. It's just before the story and you'll hear that line. It's more pronounced in the book that the movie's based on, but you'll hear that setup that this story, this story is going to make you believe in God. Uh, let's watch.
3: Mama G tells me you're a legend among sailors, too. Out there, all
2: alone. Oh, I don't even know how to sail. And I wasn't alone out there. Richard Parker was with me. Richard Parker? Uh, Mamaji didn't
3: tell me everything. He just said I should look you up when I got back to Montreal. So what were you doing in Pondicherry?
2: Writing a novel. Ah, by the way, I enjoyed your first book. So this new one is set in India? No, Portugal, actually, but it's cheaper living in India.
3: I look forward to reading it. You can't. I threw it out. Two years trying to bring this thing to life, and then one day it sputtered, coughed, and died. Oh, I'm sorry. So I was uh, sitting in this coffee house in Pondicherry one afternoon, mourning my loss, and this old man at the table next to me struck up a conversation. Yeah, Mamaji, he does that. When I told him about my abandoned book, he said, So,
0: a Canadian
3: who's come to French India in search of a story. Well, my friend, I know an Indian in French Canada with the most incredible story to tell. It must be fate that the two of you should meet.
2: <laughs> well, I haven't spoken about Richard Parker in so many years. So what has uh, Mamaji already told you? He said you had a story that would make me believe in God. (laughs) You say that about a nice meal. Uh, As for God, I can only tell you my story. You will decide for yourself what you believe. Fair enough. Let's see then, where to begin.
0: And from there, the story folds out and I go into the story with the writer okay this is going to make me believe in God is there a God and Pi tells that incredible story of a shipwreck and the book tells us 227 days he's lost at sea and I keep waiting for something that's supposed to make me believe in God and I guess that's the problem for me is that I don't think the story comes even close to doing that. It didn't convince me, and I'm I'm surprised, genuinely surprised that it would convince anyone. I'm not sure it convinced that writer either. I want to show you his reaction again in a minute, but uh, first a little bit more uh, about the ending of the film, the one that's so controversial um, uh, the summary sort of brushed over it and I don't blame them for brushing over it but after you watch this amazing story of, uh, of uh, Pi in the boat with this tiger and these animals for nearly the full two hours of the movie at the end of the movie when the Japanese officials are sitting there at the foot of Pi's bed investigating the reason for the shipwreck they don't believe Pi's story, so Pi gives them another one. And he very passionately in the movie tells a story where there were no animals on the boat. Instead, there were only people. And the people were his mom, the ship's cook, and a wounded sailor. And long story short, in this second version of the story, the cook kills the sailor, kills Pi's mom, and Pi then kills the cook. And after that, Pi is there alone in the boat for those 227 days until he is washed up on shore in Mexico. And suddenly there's those two stories there, these two versions of the truth, the animal story, versus the human story. And the movie cuts back now to the writer and and asks him, well, which story do you think is true? Which one do you prefer? And so here again is the clip of the writer and Pi after he hears both versions of the story now. And as we watch, ask yourself, are you moved to believe in God by this exchange? Do you, believe the, do you think the writer now believes in God? Because that's what the story promises to, de, uh, to deliver. Let's watch.
3: So the story is both the zebra and the sailor broke their leg. And the hyena killed the zebra and the orangutan. So the hyena is the cook. The sailor is the zebra. Your mother is the orangutan. And you're
2: the tiger. Can I ask you something? Of course. I've told you two stories about what happened out of the ocean. Neither explains what caused the sinking of the ship. And no one can prove which story is true and which is not. In both stories, the ship sinks, my family dies, and I suffer. True. So which story do you prefer?
3: The one with the tiger, that's the better story.
2: Thank you, and so it goes with God.
3: Mama G was right, it's an amazing story.
2: Will you really let me write it? Of course. Isn't that why Mama just sent you here after all?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the music uh, swells. They smile and kind of wink knowingly at each other, set you up for something really. Deep and profound is going to follow now. And the guy says, I prefer the story with the tiger. And Pi says, Thank you. And then he says, And so it is with God. What the heck is he talking about? And so what is it with? What's the it? So it is with what? I'm watching this movie with Jill and my brother-in-law, and we're invested in this thing now. So, okay, it's going to deliver. Here it comes. He goes, so it is with God, and we all just kind of looked at each other like, You know, I, I thought, well, this movie's well, way over my head. I must have missed it. I look at Jill. She's got this look on her face. My brother did. And I thought, okay, oh, good. They didn't get it either. <laughs> and the whole entire movie, it left me feeling hollow. I, I don't know what that even means, and so it is with God. What? So I go and research it. That's what I do. And some people trying to explain the ending to me. Well, what they mean is uh, the writer's preference is he prefers. You know, The question is, do you prefer a story where everything makes sense and you can uh, understand it uh, without faith? Or do you prefer a story where faith is required and where the miraculous occurs, like the Tiger version? Which one... Do you prefer okay or maybe the movie is suggesting and didn't much like this either that we can pick and choose what God to believe in and we can pick and choose what's true and uh, if it's true for you then it's true for you and that's just fine so it is with God For me, the movie has a spiritual feel to it. It promises to deliver something of worth. It promises to make me believe in God. And it left me feeling just some big spiritual feeling mess. And so what to do with it all? And then I remembered, okay, we're looking at this movie because our purpose... The reason we're looking at it is a lot of people are watching it, and they're talking about it, and they are finding meaning in it, presumably, or why are they going? And we're watching it to practice engaging with people on topics that interest them, and through that conversation, point people to God in some way. And so with that in mind, uh, here's where I landed uh, with Life of Pi. The whole thing reminded me of the Apostle Paul in Acts 17. I promised you I'd get back there. You thought I forgot, right? Your Bibles are open to Acts chapter 17. And I want to take a look at what happens to Paul there. Some background. Paul is walking around in Athens, if you remember the story. And he's realizing, whoa. This is deeply spiritual here in Athens. These people are very religious. They're into spirituality, kind of like we talked about before. And Pi, and probably many who are drawn to this movie are are, are interested in spiritual things. Uh, There's this not-so-subtle message in Life of Pi that, you know, all roads, all spiritual, spiritual roads somehow lead to God, and which road we take to God is a matter of personal preference, and this personal preference approach to God for people who are interested in all sorts of different spiritual things, well, maybe that's similar to what was in Athens that day that Paul walked through there. And so maybe our response to Life of Pi ought to look a little bit like uh, what Paul's response was to a similar circumstance of a population interested in spiritual things. So let's look how Paul uh, handled the situation. Your Bibles are open to Acts chapter 17. I'll begin reading at verse 16. While Paul was waiting for Silas and Paul in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of philosophers began to debate with Paul. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know this new teaching that you're presenting, you're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we'd like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to movies. No, um, (laughs) talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So Paul stands up in the midst of this talk that they all do. And he stands up in the meeting and he says, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. You're into spiritual things. For as I walked and looked carefully, as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with an inscription to an unknown god really spiritual, You've got an unknown altar, just in case you missed one. And then Paul says, so what, you're ignorant of the very thing you worship? And I'm gonna clear that up for you, tell you about this unknown God. This is what I'm gonna proclaim to you, Paul says. And he tells his story, or he tells God's story, in the face of the spiritual mess in Athens, That's what Paul says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples built built by human hands. And he's not served by humans, by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands and God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and so they'd find him though he's not far from any one of us. And then Paul quotes two of their own philosophers, quotes a line from their movies. For in him we live and move and have our being, Epimenides. As some of your own poets have said, we are God's offspring, the philosopher Erratus. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being, that was their term for God, you won't find Paul or anyone else in the Bible calling God The divine being, this is the only place, using their language. We should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to change, to be transformed, to repent, to look at it another way, to live life now for God, to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, Jesus, who Paul was talking about earlier in the marketplace. And God's given proof of this. Proof of what? That this man is the one who will judge with justice. God has given proof of this by raising him from the dead. Wow, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject at that, Paul left the council, and some of the people became followers of Paul and observed and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. And So as much as I've been frustrated by this movie, I've had to admit that, well, maybe Life of Pi, more than any other movie we've looked at, Presents an opportunity for us to talk about God. At least it's talking about spiritual things and deep questions. And the question is will we tell our story? Will we tell God's story in the midst of that conversation? I tell you, uh, Really, and, and I didn't um, say much of this in the first service at all, because uh, when we were sitting here praising worship and singing, especially that song, Jesus is the center of it all, I found, I think, what most disturbs me about Life of Pi. What most disturbs me about it is, this is what people are going in, uh, this is what people are attracted to in our culture. For some, this answered the question of inspiring belief in God. And it's so hollow. There's no mention of a God who loves. Life of Pi is so Impersonal when it comes to the things of God, treating Him as, well, those of you who remember Star Wars, although it's coming back, <laughs> treating God as some sort of force, some power that's uh, out there. Nothing about the personal relationship that people can have in Christ. And it's frustrating because people flock to and see this movie and are looking for meaning in this mixture of spiritual things. And what it pulls for me is, oh, my God, literally, where? Where in the midst of all that spiritual hunger out there is the voice of the church is the voice of people who love the Lord and know the Lord with their stories. Cause our story is a way better story. It's way better. It's not this spiritual sounding mess. As Paul said, it's a story about a God who lovingly makes the universe and calls us his children. And as children, we're part of the family of God. And it's a story about God sacrificing himself in the life of his son so he could be together with his children forever and Ever. And so Life of Pi, it seems to me, or movies like it that will go there and tackle those bigger questions like, is there a God, gives us an opportunity to talk about it and to tell our stories, tell our God stories. You know, all of us in here have some level of a Life of Pi story, I'll bet. You don't have to live for very long in this world, right, before something really hard and difficult happens that you have to overcome or that you're trying to overcome right now when's the last time you told that story of God helping you overcome difficulty in life when's the last time you told it have you ever told it it seems to me now I'm 47 years old 47 years young (laughs) so I I haven't lived as old and I haven't lived to be as old as some of you here and so I lack that greater experience that comes with age but it seems to me in the last 10 years, 20 years, the older I get, it seems to me that it's become more difficult for Christians to simply stand up and say what it is in humility and respect that they believe and to tell their God's story. Every time I read a story now where something comes out, where someone tells a bit of the God story, it's held up for ridicule. More than it ever has before. It's been my observation. NBC recently um, aired an interview of the wife of um, someone in the military that was lost uh, overseas. And and uh, Matt Lehrer, is he the host, uh, asked her what it is that her husband would want to say to his kids if he were still alive. And in the original interview, the man said, well, he'd want them to know how much Jesus Christ loves them. And then she went on and on and on and on. Guess what they edited out? They edited that out when asked why? well because uh, we don't want to offend anyone and it could be discriminatory for simply to tell the truth that this man wanted his children to know that jesus christ loved them the national media edited that out don't you believe it that this age of tolerance where everyone now is on equal footing to tell their story and what they believe Don't you believe it, because what they really mean is everyone's free to tell their story except those backward, intolerant, judgmental Christians. Now, whether or not you agree with all of that, and I agree we can debate that, it remains, it seems to me, that it is difficult you guys, you're growing up in a world where it's more difficult than ever to simply stand up and say what you believe about God. And the irony is, I don't know that we live in a time where doing just that is more important than right now, because people are desperate for that truth. They need more than anything God, anything God's love, and if Christians aren't willing if we're running scared and holing up in churches and we're not willing to just, you know what, I'm going to tell that story, then what we leave the world with is, is this life of pie nonsense. Will you please again tell your story? Look for that opportunity if you haven't for a while. I haven't told mine for a while out there. I was convicted of that this week. I'm going to look again for opportunities and try to have that consciously on my mind to tell someone if there's an opportunity, if they're willing to listen, just about God. You think, oh, pastor does that all the time. Well, I do that here. But it's been a while since I've done that outside of these doors. So I'm guilty of it too. When you find time to tell your story again, about God, tell God's story, and tell the one uh, where something was hard in your life that God helped you to overcome. That's it. Oh, and when we do, we give someone something, a God who loves them. And maybe, in joining in that conversation, they get to know the Lord for the first time, or deeper still, where he indeed becomes the center of it all. And isn't... Strikingly absent from stories like Life of Pi. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, would you help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to live each moment with Jesus being the center of it all? Would you give us a willingness? Would you give us um, the boldness, the guts, to when we're out there uh, in our lives with our friends and people we come across, and something comes to mind that reminds us uh, of you and all you've done for us, and who you are, and how much it is that you love the world? Uh, Would you take that reminder and put it on our tongues? And in humility and gentleness and with respect, uh, please, Father, don't let the current culture keep us from telling your story, from telling our story. Because even though, like in Athens, some sneered, there are also those, like in Athens, who believe. And who will come to know you simply because we tell your story, Father? We love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, "Amen." Amen. Would you stand, please, uh, for the benediction this morning? It comes from uh, Second Peter. And I'm paraphrasing what Peter wrote there to put it in the form of a blessing, a benediction. And so Peter gives us uh, these words. And he says, May you always revere in your hearts Christ as Lord. But then he says, And may you also be prepared to give an answer to all who ask in humility and gentleness and respect, will you also be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus? I hope that the God in the Movie series has encouraged you, as it has me, to look for those opportunities. <laughs> to give an answer, to participate, and to tell the God stories. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Enjoy the cooler weather.